0: Great welcome everyone. Welcome to another episode of Wise Lives. Uh, my name's Nick. I'm one of the uh podcast and uh U- YouTube show hosts here. This is Delroy Hall very pleased to have you with us today delroy hi nick and hi people welcome welcome uh, this is one of the uh, episodes i've been looking forward to interviewing just to okay. get to spend a bit of time with you uh-huh. um variously i understand that you you know uh delroy your background you've you've uh, hopefully you get to tell us a bit you've been a uh, you've been an athlete yeah. you are you are published you've been an author you you've been you've worked in the academic world yeah. uh you've been a pastor for yeah. about 30 years yeah. You're now the chaplain of Sheffield United Football Club, so in the Premier League uh, of the soccer in in the United Kingdom. So plenty to to go at. I'm still only 21. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) I can't believe it. So um, love to hear a little bit of your journey, and uh, we'll dig in maybe later on. We'll get to dig into what what does it mean to be a chaplain of a a big Premier League club uh, today. Mm -hmm. It's a good time to be a part of football in in Sheffield. (laughs) That is... Depending upon which side of the Sheffield sure. football divide you sit on, mm-hmm. uh, perhaps we'll try and bridge that divide, and we'll have to you uh, th- we'll have to invite your good friend, who's also uh, who Baz, who's also mm. the chaplain of Sheffield Wednesday, yeah, yeah, we the other team well. in, in this city. We'll have to. We've already got the next podcast booked. There we go. Mm-hmm. So let's crack on. So just tell us a little bit about yourself. How? how I mean, your you yeah. How, how did how did you get to be a Christian? Uh, what are, What are some of the main kind of stuff that's happened there?
1: Um, well, uh, raised and christened home, uh, parents are of the Windrush generation.
0: The Windrush generation. So they came over from...
1: Uh, Jamaica. Jamaica. Um, They met here in the UK, in Newark, Nottinghamshire. Uh, Dad came... Rock and roll, man. Absolutely. Uh, Dad came about 52, and mum came a couple of years later. They met, and then they uh, married, I think it's the first caribbean marriage in newark in 1957
0: okay
1: and um, then i was born 59 um lived in newark for 10 years moved to leicester uh, and then um obviously educated at leicester there became a christian uh when i was 20 but not in church um i was coming home one night from work and there was a guy who i met only seen once since that his last name is Dor- dorrington so if anybody knows him please i'd love to meet him ian or David. it's either ian or david dorrington i think I right. if you're listening Yeah, and touch. um he spoke to me about jesus i'd heard it all before because i was raised in a christian home but on that night he said to me so this was wednesday night leicester city center and then he spoke to me about jesus and then he said to me what are you going to do about it? So I said, well, what do you want to do about it? He says, well, receive Jesus in your life. And there on Wednesday night, I accepted the Lord in my life. Didn't tell anybody for two weeks. And then I was, so the church I was going to at the time, I was the last young person not to be a christian so well i was young i was 20 at the time wow. and then i told folks that i became a christian and oh gosh it was crazy and all the rest of it because you know people were praying for me and all the rest of it so that was part of my walk um became a christian at 20 then i became a member of the church of God of prophecy uh in 19 well tw- two years later when i was 22 I was in leicester
0: right so you're a midlands lad yeah
1: yeah mm-hmm. yeah midlands lad and uh, we were
0: chatting on earlier a little bit weren't we and you were saying that um education stuff was pretty Really tough for you uh, to begin with, because yeah. uh, Delroy's got a PhD now, mm-hmm. but that's not how it kind of started out for you.
1: No, not at all. Um, my mother, though, um, just just to out for a second, my yeah. mother um, said that when I was a kid, I just asked, used to ask loads of questions, and she had no idea where these questions came from. So school was kind of, as young people say, random or standard. Um, school was school. Um, the subject I really liked was biology because I liked the teacher. She was really nice looking, so that's really kind of like the subject. Um, but really didn't click much at school. Left at sixteen with a string of CSes. Then took some O levels, GC GCs for those who remember. Yeah. Um, took five, and I was saying to Nick earlier on. Uh, I remember the Friday. I was working at Seven Trent Water Authority. Phone mum. The results have come. I said, "What are they?" I uh, heard the envelope open. Maths U. English U, technical drawing U, physics U, general studies U, five U's. Wow. So I was absolutely devastated. Up yeah. for months actually. I've I guess I could say I was depressed really. Yeah. Um anyway, I got into another college. But there's a uh, English teacher who kind of took to me and I took to him and um, that's the only the only O level I got first off, which was English. I failed the others. Wow. And then so I got my two or three years. So the third year, back in the day, for an extra year was 160 quid, which doesn't seem much now, but in those days was a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So I said to mum, I'm going to go to work and then I'm going to go to night school. Cause I think somehow I, I knew that if you weren't educated, life was kind of pretty grim. Yeah. So I decide, right, I've got to just keep coming. But mum said she'd have a chat with my dad and that was Tuesday night and then Thursday morning came down and uh, £160 pounds on the table, cash. So I went to college, did an extra year, then got the O-levels I needed. I wanted to be a physiotherapist because I was involved in athletics at the time as a 400-meter hurdler. Um, but somehow every qualification I got, the, the goalposts just seemed to kind of keep moving. So I got a job at British Telecom and I stayed there for 14 years until I took the Queen's Shilling in '93. took redundancy and trained as a teacher and psychotherapist. so yeah major shift but i talk uh, when people say what's the connection between bishop telecom and counseling Uh, (laughs) so i say points and connections so um and communication so at that point just doing a series of certificates not got a first degree and went to university at 38 wow
0: so just let's backtrack again you were you just threw it in there you were a 400 meter hurdler okay so what's the athletics how did that fit in with life
1: um it was very good well what happened when i was 15 i had this real fear of drink of getting a beer belly when i left school didn't know you had to drink beer to get a beer belly but um i was really kind of scared of just kind of getting really so forth right. so i thought well i need to keep fit so i joined an athletics club and did sprinting it was okay-ish And then I remember going to an AGM at the club and there was a hurdles coach and he said we needed more male hurdles. And I remember thinking, I ain't doing that. Yeah. Because I remember when I was 11, I did hurdles at a senior school and I remember falling over a hurdle and ripping my ankle. And I still Mm. got the big scar to this day. So I can't Mm. really, can't put off it. That was a Tuesday. Turned up for training the Thursday night and my coach at the time, never called me Delroy. Roy, you're doing hurdles tonight. I said, no, I'm not. (laughs) So we nearly got to an argument. Anyway, I got into hurdles. And then... I was kind of the butt of the kind of uh, squad, really, because I didn't hurt them, I was jumping them at the time. Uh, but I went into a, a race, the uh, Leicester, and, Leicester and Rutland 3A Championships, 61.3, people say it was a great time, and I just thought, yeah, I just did it. And that was it, just took to it in 1976, 77, trained really hard, because I call it the man killer of the track. Okay. In terms of the training right and so so it's a 400
0: four. meters of running and it's, that's right, yeah. So that's it's pretty
1: drooling, yeah brooling. yeah so the training in the winter Last time sprinting. was certainly weight circuit training cross-country endurance and that type right. of thing and i to this day i still love circuit training um well, there's something wrong there for a start isn't there <laughs> let's be fair but, yeah.
0: um
1: yeah so, um, so you did well yeah i was um tried a bit hard at it um was Number two in Great Britain, so if anybody knows English school championships, I was silver medalist in 1979, uh, Midland silver medalist, same year, and three A's silver medalist, the same year. So oh, yeah. ne- never quite got the goal, but three, yeah. so it was a good time. But one of the things I learned then, which yeah. I didn't fully appreciate until I'm older, was the discipline uh-huh. turning out training in the winter time, in particular when it was cold and wet and I yeah. had to do runs and stuff. And I, I knew I was going to see my coach at the weekend or the following week and he'd be asking me what happened in the sessions, how did the sessions go? So I didn't realise that it was really kind of setting me up for life, really. Yeah. Um, so I'm really grateful for those early years. And has
0: that, has that kind of... Um rolled over into the way that you approach christianity or kind of daily life that sense of discipline you still like circuit training for a start
1: yeah i've not done it for a little while but um but certainly still keeping fit now and certainly the whole thing about getting up in the morning praying those type of things which is a discipline yeah which you know if you speak to most athletes they don't always feel like training they don't always feel like doing some of the hard stuff we don't always feel like getting up and praying, but we do as a part of the kind of discipline because it's kind of building up and going somewhere with it. So it's discipline for that, but certainly if you speak to my wife, she'll say that I'm very disciplined about food. I don't like eating late at night. So if somebody says, we're meeting at 7.30 to eat, I thought, oh god mm. i don't like eating late at night mm-hmm. um and certain things i will do not do and that goes back to kind
0: of so that kind of up that kind yeah. of focus and upbringing yeah, 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 that, yeah that's yeah. cool so so you're working for bt and then um you're a christian at this point yeah. how did you um integrate faith into kind of everyday life the workplace and uh, mar- well at some point you obviously got
1: married at some point yeah, yeah i did um integration to life i'm um, i had a view i'm not a in terms of gifting and stuff like that i'm not really an evangelist i'm more a teacher Uh however i just think that if you're working with people in a day in day out i think one of the best ways is actually to live so you live a christian life being a christian um you don't necessarily have to be speaking to people chapter and verse but what i discovered um Certainly working for British Telecom, but um, I remember one particular guy, I was told I wouldn't get on with him. He was an ardent atheist. But we got on like a house on fire. We got on really, really well. And I noticed over a period of time, on a Friday night, the Friday afternoons, the lad went to the pub, I didn't. And Ray would go, he would go, and then he would come back and he'd talk and he'd share stuff with me that he wouldn't share with anybody else. And I kind of realised after a while that if you're a Christian and you live in an environment, you don't, I think what you do, you preach with your life. Yeah. So you live in a way, and I certainly now, I just think for young people, it's a prime time. You live very countercultural. It doesn't mean to say you, for a woman, you wear long dresses and high neck, all that type of stuff, but just how you live and how you speak right. draws people to you. And with Ray, um we chatted and he shared some very personal things about his life which i know he didn't share with the other lads so i kind of figured out if you're a christian and you're genuine and sincere Mm. that will draw people to you because you're a trusted pair of hands and that was my kind of way of of um kind of witnessing to people really
0: yeah yeah very good and uh, i guess that's still part of the way it works for you Today, so at the moment, um, you're, uh, you work in a university environment. Yeah, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, my manager, my new manager, um, for about a year now, he, when we met, he said to me that um, he's never really given much thought to religion and Christianity, but he says the two chaplains and myself has, has made him rethink, not because we've preached to him, but just how we live, how we respond, yes. how we do things. And uh, yeah, he just said to me that it's, it's really started to make me think. um and that i think i actually think that um if people's road to conversion is over a gradual period of time usually when they make commitments of faith they're not messing about because it's been a kind of process um sometimes when somebody just comes to church and then it's an instant thing question marks around that. But I think if there's been a kind of journey yeah. and people have seen you live in a way and seen you maybe under stress, under difficulties and how you respond, that is a brilliant uh, witness to to, yes. to to kind of draw
0: people to Christ. And and, and not just you being perfect, is it? No, no not you at all. Know, it's you, how do you work through the hard times, how do you deal with stress? How do you deal mm. with conflict which happens Pretty much every day, mm-hmm. uh, in some form, in our life. Yeah. So, um, and and the Bible, uh, Paul talks about us being Christ's ambassadors. Mm, sure. In other words, that we represent, we represent Jesus sure, to, sure. to the world around us.
1: And I think the other thing I'll say that if if things do happen between you and somebody who's not a Christian, there's nothing wrong with a Christian saying to somebody who's not, "I'm sorry." You know, sometimes we can say some things either out of term or a bit harsh. There's nothing. There's nothing wrong with saying sorry.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I try. I try to say sorry really quickly, mm. uh, even yeah. if I don't necessarily feel the need to. Because I mean, you, what have you got to lose mm, if you say sure. sorry for stuff? It, it, yeah. It, yeah. That's cool. So so you've, um, over the years, you've obviously somewhere the academic stuff kicked in and you've mm-hmm. picked up a PhD along the way. I'm sure that was a little bit yeah, cool. harder work than that. A of, yeah, a lot of hard work. Uh, <laughs> and how, do you, how have you found the balance between your skills, mm-hmm. stuff you're good at, mm-hmm. and what God's asked you to do? So sometimes we can work to our strengths, can't we? And we're like, mm-hmm. great, I am this because I'm great at this. But actually, sometimes you find you, sort of, they don't always come in, t- they don't always interact. God just says, "Listen, do this, mate. I want you to do this." So, how do you feel about kind of have you been able to use the work to your strengths, as it were, in the Christian life and, and in normal employment? And so on? Uh, yeah, I think
1: it, it depends on your environment and the context. I think um, because one one of the things, of course, you can be highly skilled, but if you're in the wrong environment, it can it can be a detriment to you because then you are highly skilled and you have kind of lots of thinking and you can be quite frustrated because there's not the environment for that to kind of flourish. So that's happened and that that's happened to me. Um, and I think when I was, a, I remember as a pastor, part of the part of the thing that I learned was journaling, which is not a part of kind of Pentecostal tradition. Uh, but what I did, I journaled, I should think, daily for about 12 years. But in the process, what happened I was developing and growing, and then what happens? You kind of get to a point whereby you just don't fit anymore because you become more aware of certain things, and you share that with people, and they don't get it because they've kind of not been on that journey. Yeah. So there can be um, a balance, but what I've what I've discovered, and I think what, what's really helped me in terms of my kind of feel. Well the PhD studies I did it in pastoral theology was there's a recognition of sociology, psychology, counselling, all the disciplines but then once you've read all this stuff, then how do we understand it theologically? And for me, that's just a huge excitement, how you look at things. So sociology says this, and you can look at all the disciplines, science and medicine and so forth. And then when you've looked at all this, well, what's a kind of biblical response to this? And I just think it's kind of fascinating and that kind of challenges and stimulates me.
0: Yes, I can see that. Mm. So, so, okay, let's dig in there. Let's go there a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so you work in a secular, obviously most universities are secular, um, they are in the UK, yeah, sure. environment. Um, uh, you uh, research people and you're a Christian and God is real. Mm-hmm. So how's, how, does, um, how do you bring in theological reflection and, and the reality of God? I mean, are you allowed to write about it or do you just, or is it just something that you hold? Or does, has it affected the way that you write or the way that you research?
1: Yes and no. um yeah so um so secular organizations so most of the students don't know i'm a christian or a minister but these days they can find me anyway if they want to and some have yeah that's right yeah Yeah. they, uh, they have um now you can i actually think you can teach people certain things from the bible without saying john's gospel says this so um one of the things is very common uh many young people not all but for many is uh, friends with benefits Uh so that's something that's used and said quite a lot so you know I listen to that and then I say to students after I've listened are you happy with that That's all. and I've not heard anybody say yes I am Mm. but the the, the privacy of that room allows people to be maybe open for the first time Mm. So certainly, with women, quite often they want something from guys. They want more commitment, more dedication. So the friends with benefits, in terms of what who I've met so far, the question I ask,
0: yeah.
1: they're not happy with it. Yeah. So my Christian faith informs me without them knowing I'm a Christian. Yeah. Um, also, I um, will say to some young people. Um, you know, in terms of the relationship they have, so they may come having problems with holding a relationship. So I may say to them, okay, if you meet somebody, say, tonight, when would you sleep with them? Well, it depends. Sometime the same night or whatever. So do you know this kind of, this eight or nine stages of relationship development before you get to that? And you're kind of short circuit in it. Mm. So again, that's a very Christian response. It's making them think.
0: So in today's instant culture, instant gratification uh, uh, stuff uh, kind of making yourself feel happy or at least thinking that that's what you're aiming for you're bringing uh you're actually allowing the 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 the, the Mm -hmm. research Mm -hmm. to bring a a moral challenge and just say listen guys that's not even healthy if you jump some of those stages
1: well in fact my my research my research was very much different to what i kind of share in the room but i guess Mm -hmm. what happens with a phd i think masters so but phd more so it helps you to think critically so you think deeper so i don't you know the students keep coming back so I don't think they feel judged. But I think it's about helping people to think and it may be that they may not become Christian but they may say you know what before I kind of just dive into bed with somebody I need to kind of think about this a little bit. Um, My research was kind of totally different but I think what happens you learn skills and you learn how to kind of think critically about certain things, and I just think that um, I just think there's ways in which I, I just think that um, I'm in the room with a student, and I, I just see myself maybe as planting a seed. Yeah, it's there, and maybe yeah. sometime later, I'm am not a part of the scene. They've moved on, perhaps well into their careers. They meet somebody along the way that talks to them about Jesus, and who knows who knows what we do today that might actually grow two years' time, three years' time, we don't know, but we need to kind of plant seeds.
0: Totally. And I've, I mean, the times when I interact, say, with um, uh, this, sometimes in the city in Sheffield where mm. we live, uh, I'll interact with the different learning kind of environments or the network environments sure. with business folk or with um, people from the third sector and so on. And uh, what I try and do is I just try and so, I suppose it's not, not being moralistic, but I'm trying to get a kind sure. of, have you thought about them, the the values behind what you're actually saying, yeah. you know, that, uh, and and calling people to a higher, mm. to think higher, to mm. think deeper about the values behind things, because, you know, our behavior is, is usually uh, a reflection of mm. what's really sure. deep down and so on. Yeah, just try and bring that, that Christian kind of values in without mm. being in your face and mm. slapping people around with it. And... I, I think I've been
1: doing, I've been a counselor now for nearly 30 years. but well, up to this point, I've never been reported. Yeah. I think I can be quite challenging, uh, yeah. but students haven't not come back because I found yeah. it challenging. I think I think there's there perhaps sense there's a, a level of sincerity and genuineness. I'm actually on their side, yeah. um, but it's never kind of heavy handed. That's it,
0: isn't it? And mm. Jesus said, you know, by by the people will know that you're my disciple mm. because you love each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's that whole thing about being authentic and yeah. actually loving the person first. yeah. yeah. And so that yeah. earns you the right sometimes to speak in. Mm. So um, I'm going to ask us in in the next podcast to pick up particularly about your whole being a chaplain of a major football team because I want to ask some questions that football fans might be interested in. But um, let's just go there for a couple of minutes before we uh, come to a landing. So you are now, it's a voluntary role, isn't it? It is a voluntary Uh, role, Sheffield United Football Club. You're the chaplain. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? Well, um, the job description is
1: simply being there and I call it holy loitering. Uh-huh. i'm just there um but there really to to be a listening ear if there's a crisis um and we all have crisis don't we so what i've done with the footballers in particular uh the first year i kind of kept a distance uh but one of the footballers said so we know when you turn we know when you, you you turn up you know we all see you when we're training yeah. um and then i spoke with the captain Last beginning of last season because I wanted I've been there for a year and I wanted to, a little bit more involved with them and he made comment that um, the the, pl- the players actually respected the fact that I kind of kept a distance respected their privacy now if I go if they're training they'll stop and say hello shake my hand we'll shake hands I go into the gym I won't stay long but I'll go around to all the players and say oh revs how are you doing you're right mate shake hands you're so then... you're known
0: as revs yes
1: so. I'm you you're known as revs yeah
0: Rebs, known as, right. as revs um, so um yeah so you're there you, you you try and interact with the with the players um mm-hmm. and but there's a bit that's his big staff team behind a, a major football club yeah there
1: is um so the players the manager the background staff with the players the, the office staff and as time is going on i'm beginning to know quite not all the fans of course but beginning to know fans and the i'm the chaplain and, oh, really? um, so yeah so it's um i think there's a couple there they've been together they've been living together for about 30 years and they're they say they're going to get married one day at half time and i'll do it so i'll give them Come the on. card so uh, so we'll see what happens um but yeah so it's it's about being there at, at the point of crisis i think one of the things with footballers and certainly now in the premier league who do you trust mm. that's the thing and it's it's competitive um and people see it as an outside as being very glamorous lots of money but i think the opposite is possibly true mm. if i'm going to be honest
0: um yeah. yeah so it's again what i mean the stuff that we're talking about you're talking about integrity and just really being there for people yeah. walking alongside them loving them mm-hmm. uh and uh and as a result sowing peace yeah, which yeah. is one of the main things jesus is the prince of peace isn't it you're yeah, saying yeah. peace and hope and sure grace into people's mm. lives yeah, wow yeah. yeah so
1: that's that's
0: me how about that so thank you okay uh, welcome. Thank you to me. yeah thank you. thanks man uh that was cool okay uh i want to ask you loads more questions <laughs> okay. about what it's like to uh see the behind the scenes of a big football team okay. but uh, uh let's uh would you pray for us you just pray for that that sense of integrity and the walk in the everyday mm. that'd be great thanks mm. man mm
1: father and friend we thank you for your love and your care to us we thank you for your grace we thank you for who you are thank you for calling us into your family but not us alone but you want more people to be in your family help us lord to live in one sense an ordinary life but it's an extraordinary life because of your spirit living in us so for those who are listening hearing whatever the work they may be doing teachers, nurses, managers, having to deal with the pressures pressures and stresses of life, uh, may they show Christ in their conflicts and in their stresses and in their lives as husbands, fathers, mothers, wives, and workers. Father, we thank you that you are a good God and you're still with us. And thank you, Lord, that you live within us outside of the few hours we gather together in church on a Sunday. We thank you for your grace, your love, and your power in our lives. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. Brilliant. Be blessed. We'll see you guys soon.